What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian. I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, Feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. Some housekeeping. As we are winding down the year, we wanted to make you aware of some changes that are going to be coming next year. First, as a response to a lot of the feedback I've been getting from friends about the show, I'm going to dedicate one episode each month to giving quicker, rapid-fire impressions of a bunch of games, mostly ones that didn't quite make the cut for the show. We're going to give a brief synopsis of the game and sort of reasoning why it didn't make the cut. Also in these monthly installments, we're going to be highlighting recommendations for games that are currently on sale, and some of these might be games that have been on the podcast before, but mostly this is going to be games that are currently on sale just as like a notification And it's going to be relevant for the time of the publishing of the episode. So this is going to encourage more listeners to stay current with us while also trying to just notify about great deals that are currently happening. And if you've been following us on Twitter, you may have seen that I've already been doing this, but I'm not sure how many people it's reaching. And also, I don't know the long-term viability of Twitter at this point. Lastly, uh, we wanted to make you aware of a special episode series that we're going to start airing monthly through the podcast called Developer Spotlight. This is going to be a longer form interview series with actual indie developers. If you are a game developer and interested in talking with me, please reach out in any of our channels. If you're a bit hesitant about it, feel free to listen to a couple of the episodes that are going to come out and see kind of what the format's going to be. I have a couple recorded so far, so I'm hoping this will be a fruitful and engaging endeavor and make for some pretty good content. We should be starting both of these changes in January of 2023, so coming up pretty soon, and they'll affect the show as follows. So these monthly sort of highlight episodes that I'm thinking we're going to call Tales and Sales, those are going to replace the last normal episode of each month as kind of a breather for all of us, and the monthly Developer Spotlight series is going to be published as additional content on about the second or third Monday of each month, depending on where things split. So lots of good things coming to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and supporting. It really means a lot. And let's see where this thing can go next. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Dodgeball Academia is the game for this week's episode. Dodgeball Academia is a sports action RPG. Some comparable games. There's a lot of Pokemon in here. Saturday Morning RPG, which we've done on the podcast. Uh, Some Paper Mario and uh, that South Park, uh, both of the South Park games. uh, Stick of Truth and Fractured But Whole. All of those really 
some comparable things. Not so much in the battle mechanics, but in just about everything else. It was released in August of 2021 on Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And the game was developed by Pocket Trap, which is a small team from Brazil. So we're doing a lot of Brazil games, and shout out to Brazil devs. Pocket Trap has made some smaller games before, uh, but most notable, they're the co-creators of Ninjin. The game was published by Humble Games, or Humble Bundle, uh, and Humble Games has published a lot of indies and a lot of good ones. One of note from this podcast is Void Bastards, but also Slay the Spire, Wizard of the Legend, and Hat in Time. The game also had a physical release in March of 2022, which was also published by Humble Games. I think just physical on Switch and PS4. And it's just a physical box, but I think it comes with an art book, which is super cool. The game was released with an MSRP of $24.99. And I believe the physical release, I think, was around the same or $29.99. I'm not sure because with PS4 and Switch, uh, I tend to see different prices there. Runtime of the game It is episodic, kind of. It has, like, chapters more than episodes. Uh, But there are eight episodes or eight chapters. And to get through the main game, just sticking with it, about ten hours. But I think with all the extras, uh, somewhere between ten and fifteen. And the game does have a platinum trophy for our PlayStation listeners. I got the game on sale for $14.99 on PSN. So I've been playing on PS4. I've put in about seven hours. I'm about halfway through the fifth chapter. Um, But I've been taking my time because I've been trying to do everything because I am going for that Platinum Trophy. I think it's totally doable. The game was recommended to me by Dustin Furman once again, who is on uh, Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. He's the executive producer of that podcast network. And it's interesting because this is the second recommendation I'm mentioning from him on this show. And the other one was Ganbare Super Strikers. And pretty similar, a sports action RPG, although Ganbari wasn't really, was more tactical than action. But I'm sensing a theme here. And so I did check out the game. Uh, I happened to see it on sale. And it looked really cool. It looked really Japanese. And it will be very Japanese-inspired, as we'll get into in a little bit. Let's talk some gameplay. So, as I said, the game is played in sort of eight chapters or episodes, but it's not really closed off. Like, you're not going to specific areas and then having them closed off. Everything is essentially taking place in the same area. And it's very free roam. It's very open, kind of like Paper Mario, the initial Paper Mario games. Once you open up an area, you can kind of go back and just kind of bounce around. There, I think, is some light capping of, like, side quests between episodes, I'm not sure how much. Uh, I know there's one side quest where you have to beat someone every day, like a specific person, in each episode or in each chapter. And I think if you don't do it, then you'll be locked off of that. 
But everything else, I'm not sure if it locks because I've been really thorough with this game. And there's really no need not to be because there's no rush. You do manually advance between the chapters by basically going to your bed and sleeping. So you can do a lot of cleanup and you can check out the map and see if there are any icons for side quests that you missed or look at your side quests. As you change between episodes, there's some evolution of the areas. You'll see more of areas. Things will get unblocked by whatever means. Uh, Some NPCs will maybe have different dialogue. The shops will have different items. And you'll unlock different areas. So this is very similar to Saturday Morning RPG, especially with NPCs and kind of if you do a side quest in, in one of them. Um, how it advances their dialogue and their story and actually opens up other side quests. So I think there's some connections there. You'll go through the opening tutorial for a little bit, not too long. It is dialogue heavy, but I think the dialogue in this game is actually pretty good in terms of being able to speed through it quickly and just skim through it. It's it's certainly manageable, and it's short-lived. I don't think the opening tutorial really takes that long. And I like the way the game unfolds because it starts out very simple, making you seem like the gameplay is very simple, and then it'll slowly kind of open up to you. So mainly you're going to be roaming around uh, on campus because this is a school. So as you're roaming around campus, you can talk to different students, Uh, You can talk to NPCs. Some of them are going to be just regular students. Some of them will clearly look different. And you're going to be getting quests and advancing quests. Some of them are side, some of them are main. um, And there'll be icons on the map for that, which is very helpful. You'll always see the icons for everything available. And then as you're roaming around and maybe doing some of these quests, you're going to be doing a lot of battling. And this is very much out of Pokemon just with trainers. You're going to run into trainers, they're going to see you, and they're going to start a battle. And also, as you're roaming around campus, you're going to find a lot of loose dodgeballs just sitting there, and as you walk up to them, you'll automatically pick them up, and you can always have one in your hands. Uh, I always found that you should just have one in your hands because they're going to be used for a lot of things, mainly to open things up. So anytime you see containers and you go up to them and you hit one of the buttons, it'll say like, oh, this could be opened if you it's hit really hard with something. And so they're trying to just get you to understand that you can interact with the environment by throwing dodgeballs at a lot of things. So there'll be containers, uh, and there'll be chests as well. And these will have items, whether for your health or equipment items, stuff like that. And then also as you're roaming around campus, you can move a lot faster by literally rolling like a ball. And your character will roll up into a ball, and you can kind of keep hitting the roll button to speed up and speed up. Um, It's really comical, and it's really fun. It reminds me a lot of Paper Mario when you can spin and move very quickly. So with quests, as you're moving through, you're going to get this main quest throughout the game. You're going to be participating in this dodgeball tournament, and things may come up that may hinder your ability to perform in the game that day. And so that'll be sort of your main quest to resolve that. And then you'll be getting some side quests. Some of these can be fetchy in the beginning, but most of these are going to have to do with battling because in this game, as you'll find out, battling in dodgeball is going to solve everything. It's everyone's answer to every problem. Hey, let's battle in dodgeball. Let me just slam a ball right into your face. That'll solve everything. The map is not too big, so I really didn't mind any quest in this game. It allowed me to get access to different NPCs and just, like, see their dialogue and get to know a lot of characters. And I think that for the side quests, like I said, there's no reason not to do these. 
especially when it has to do with NPCs, because I think it really develops those characters. Again, much like in Saturday Morning RPG, I think you're missing out if you don't try out a lot of these side quests and just get some of the stuff colored in. And for all of these quests, uh, you're going to get rewards, and this is really going to center around items, equipment, and money. And the same goes for battles, too, when you do a battle. So let's look at the inventory and that economy. It's going to start with equipment. So your characters are going to be able to equip two items. They're going to give varied kind of bonuses or buffs. They might give max HP buffs. They might give buffs to push your agility up or your strength or some of them as you get further in. As you do damage, like you'll get back a certain percentage of it in health. And then items. Items are pretty much going to be consumables and they're really just going to be for your health. And I really like this system. It's actually interesting because, uh, you know, the items are very Pokemon, not that they're called this, but like potions that'll revive percentages or flat amounts of health. um, And then things that'll revive with a certain percentage or revive with a certain flat amount. But there's this system of disliking items, liking items, loving items, uh, and I think being allergic to them. And so if you go in the menu and look at a specific item, it'll show next to each character on the menu whether they like it, love it, dislike it, or allergic to it. And so that'll enhance or kind of lessen the effect of that item. So you really want to give items that people love. And so like if it says will heal like 20% and you put it up to that character that loves it, it might wind up healing like 40% or 45 or something like that. So just for the efficiency of the item economy, I think having that system is really cool. Just adds like a, a little bit of touch, helping you conserve some items as well. Now this is interesting because you can heal with items or you can go to the infirmary just like Pokemon and just kind of heal all your characters by just talking to them. So there's this give and take there much like you would in Pokemon like how far are you for the from the infirmary or if you're in between a couple battles like you're going to wind up using items and you should because you're going to get a lot of them I feel um, but sometimes if my team is just really dying or low on health, I'll just go to the infirmary. And some of the items that you'll get will be permanent stat upgrades. And these also fall into the like-love-dislike system. So, again, being efficient with these, I wouldn't give anyone a permanent upgrade unless they love the item because you're going to get, you know, a higher upgrade. So, like, it might be, like, increases agility permanently. And if you give it to someone who likes it, it might be plus one. Someone who loves it might be plus three. In terms of money and shops, there are going to be a couple different shops where you can buy items, some where you can buy equipment. I get a really strong feel of the South Park game, Stick of Truth with this, like just the look of the economy, having the money. In terms of going to a shop, I don't think it's always that necessary. It's just there if you want to add more to your repertoire. But you're going to get a lot of items and equipment from battles and and quests. So your characters. So the characters that you're going to have are essentially going to be on your team. And this will change, but it's going to start with you, the main character, Otto, and you will get more as time goes on. And your characters will have a level, and they'll have a certain experience points, so when you match that experience points, you gain a level. As you gain levels, you're going to get access to more abilities or additives to some of your abilities that are passive. And if you actually go into the character menu, it'll detail pretty much all of this. Your characters will have a couple stats. Strength, agility, and technique. Uh, Strength correlates to the damage that you'll do. Agility is how fast you move on the court. And technique is, I think, how quickly you can charge sort of your special meter. 
and then they'll have HP. They'll also have details about their unique throwing or their catching abilities, and then some information about their special move, which is called Baltimate, which I think is a play on ultimate, uh, as well as what happens when they charge that. So there'll be some other passive effects. So battling is dodgeball, in case you haven't realized it. So when you go into a battle, it's going to be you on a court, and it's going to be your team versus their team. Now, sometimes, depending on the context, it's depending on if it's a story battle or something like that, it may just be you versus one other person. It may be just you versus a whole team. It may be your whole team versus one person, you know, so on and so forth. The numbers can vary. The max on your team is going to be three, but you're going to have battles where you're battling like five or six. I'm not sure what constitutes a battle that is just going to be you. I don't really know. Quite frankly, I don't really care because I'm just like down for whatever because I like whatever situation I'm put into and the challenge that comes forth from that. And so the actual battling is going to be real-time action. And this is probably the only difference between this game and the rest of the games I cited as comparable. And so you're going to have your players... And you're going to be controlling one of them. You're going to be either throwing the ball or catching it. And you can do a hard toss or a soft toss. And it has to do with whether you're just tapping, throw, or holding it. The catching is a very interesting mechanic because it's timing-based. And not every character is going to be catching. Some of them are going to have a counter move. Like this one girl... Uh, If you time it, she will kick the ball and it'll shoot back at the enemy and it'll hit one of them. But your team is going to move with you. So you'll have like one character at the helm and there'll be three of you if you have all three. And you'll be kind of standing in a triangle, but they'll follow you where you go. And they'll also, at the same time that you try to catch, they will do their catch or counter animations. And at first I didn't quite pay attention to this, but what I found is that this is actually really efficient because... You might be trying to catch a ball, and you might have moved past it, but it might be going to one of your opponents anyway. And if you hit the catch mechanic, they'll catch it and toss it to you. So I like the efficiency of the, even though you're not controlling all three of them at the same time, they're still very much in it. You can swap who is going to be at the main, like in real time, which is cool, uh, especially because they all have sort of different mechanics, whether it's their throwing mechanics, whether it's their catching or countering, as well as how they dodge. Some of the characters are going to roll when they dodge just to try and get out of the way. Some of them are going to jump. There's also going to be that variation in how they charge up and how they do their special. And so sometimes when they charge up, they might have passive effects for the rest of your teammates, whether it's healing or whether it's attack up or something like that. And what's interesting about charging up is you can only charge up when the uh, ball is on the other side. There will probably be multiple balls. Some matches have one ball, some have five, but you can't charge unless there's at least one ball on the other side. So you'll see that strategy come in. Once you charge up your ultimate move or your ultimate move, you have to hold at least one ball in order to execute it. And I think the more balls that you hold, your ultimate move or your special move is going to have greater effects, or sometimes you'll be able to do it multiple times. Um, And these are really unique to the character, like some are elemental base. And when you choose to use your ultimate move, everything stops. It's kind of like a little mini game with you and the other team, and you can really do some, some serious damage there. Now, once you hit a player and they're out of HP, they'll say player out. And what's going to happen is that player, whether it's on your team or the other team, is going to go out and you're going to kind of reset. But the player that's out is now going to be on the other side of the other team. And so what that'll introduce is this dynamic where you can actually throw a ball 
and then it'll either hit an enemy or it'll miss, but then one of your players on the other side will grab it and then hit them from the other side. And I think this is how dodgeball is done in Japan and other countries. Sometimes the game will stop when a player is out or out of HP. Sometimes it won't, and I don't know. Again, I don't know when it does. I don't know what the tell is. I don't know what the context is when it does, because sometimes a play, like I'll hit like three players out in one move, and we'll just keep going. Sometimes I'll have a move powered up, and then I'll have a bunch of opportunities. Um, but if I kill someone or I run them out of HP on the first hit, everything resets. So I don't know the rhyme or reason. And once again, quite frankly, I really don't care. I, I don't care why certain things happen and why certain things don't at certain times. I just kind of roll with it, and I have a lot of fun. I think in general, with the battling, the pacing is very good, and the funneling is very good. Everything starts very simple. And then they start to add different layers. Like, okay, now you can do dodging. Now you can counter or catch. Like, okay, now you can use your ultimate move. Now you can power it up. Um, now we're introducing, like, different kinds of dodgeballs. So all these different things, like, I felt like I was constantly being introduced to new things. And it's interesting because it really goes with the game, which is that you are a student at a school, and this really falls into the gameplay because you are going to be in classes where you're learning different things about dodgeball. In terms of combat, the challenge does start to ramp up, I think around episode four, specifically with catching and the timing involved there. So you want to be aware of that. I think in the first three episodes, like you really have time to get it right. I don't think it's that difficult, but I like that the challenge starts to ramp up and now like I'm starting to get away with battles like just barely. In general, the combat is very active, and I like this, even though this isn't like a turn-based role-playing game or anything like that. I really just felt like this is a normal RPG that is turn-based, but just has a lot of action commands. And so it is right at home with me because I love active battle. In terms of accessibility, I did lose a couple battles in the early chapters. In chapter four, when it started to ramp up, I started to lose a little more. But that's fine because you can always just retry the battle. There are manual saves and auto saves. And so you can manual save anywhere. And when you load it, it brings you right back where you were. Really no worries about like losing progress or getting beat or, or having to try something again. Um, because you can jump right back in it. And there are no difficulty options, but in the menu there are sliders for damage percent. And there's one slider for damage that you receive and one slider for damage that you do. And they're both set at 100, and the game says this is default. Change it how you want. I think this is better for a customizable experience because you're right in control of the numbers. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to choose hard, and you don't know what changes. You'll get access to like different challenges, challenge modes, and in the main menu, there's also a versus mode. I haven't played this yet, but as you progress through the story, you get notifications that you're actually unlocking characters in versus mode. And in terms of general pacing, I think the whole game is like an unfurling tutorial, and I really like it. I don't think it's struggling from pacing issues. I don't think that it's like trying to baby you or anything like that. I just think that the game of dodgeball is pretty simple, but they found a way to funnel it and make it like discovery based like oh now i can do this let me see how that affects my strategy
let's talk about the vibe of Dodgeball Academia. This game is so Japanese. It actually reminds me a lot of like Persona even. In terms of story, uh, you are going through school, and so there are a lot of school story tropes, like things that you have to do for quests. Themes like enemies becoming friends is a big thing. Friendship in general. There are a lot of nice kids in this game, and I like the good guy stuff and all of that. It's very wholesome. The story is very wholesome. I like the way it unfolds and the reason that it's enemies becoming friends, like, you know, realizing, you know, we're not that different. I like this, and I really like in this game that it doesn't overstay this. It doesn't overstate it either. It's not like, oh, everything's sunshine and rainbows, which reminds me of a game called Bug Fables, The Everlasting Sapling, which is a spiritual successor to the Paper Mario games. That's a game that was like really over the top cutesy. I really like that game, but it's really high on like, oh, friendship and, you know, meaningful and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But I like that this game is silly at times. There's some quick fun. There's some zingers and just good character tropes. Uh, in general, I like a lot of these characters. They're really absurd, and I enjoy the writing with them. In terms of absurdity in general, I just like the idea of it's a dodgeball school, and everything's taken very seriously there. Um, there's not too many like puns or anything like that. It's not groan-worthy. Uh, it's just really, really fun and upbeat. I really like it. Visually, I'm getting a lot of vibes from like Mystical Ninja Goemon. Uh, I've already mentioned Pokemon in general, but visually I see a lot of that. Maybe even like Powerpuff Girls. So you've got like 2D characters that almost look like paper, like Paper Mario in this 3D world. The environments are very colorful. A lot of like pastel shade colors, like oranges and light blues and like magentas um, that are very soft. But the characters are very detailed. I get the image of Goemon from Mystical Ninja um, having those sort of big eyes, uh, and I see a lot of the characters having that. One of the things I really love is just the reactions and the animations of some of these characters. Oh my gosh, especially after you win a battle, the victory screen. Like, everybody has their own animation that they do, and there's this one animation that the main character does, which I've seen so many times before, whether it's in Pokemon or Goemon, where, like, he's sort of winking, but then he's got his one pointer finger, like, un rubbing under his nose. It's just, like, such a slick... I've seen that animation before. You just look at them and you're like, ah. In general, I, I just love the animations for a lot of these characters. In terms of audio, this music rocks. It's like rock and roll high. I really dig this soundtrack. It, it really gets everything upbeat. It just gets you into the mood, like throw some dodgeballs. In terms of being in battle, there are a lot of good sound cues for like when a ball is tossed, when it's caught kind of gives a good positive feedback loop of like the timing of the catching and also hitting people versus when they catch it because enemies will catch the ball as well and so sometimes you're not going to be looking at absolutely everything that happens so getting that audio cue is really important to know like oh that guy caught that ball even as you're like trying to look at somebody else to throw it and the characters have no vocals they're not talking but like there's subtle sounds as you're reading the dialogue it's like almost like simulating that they're talking. Just in general, I feel like there's a lot of love and detail in this game, and you can sense the appreciation for Japanese games and teen Japanese culture and persona and whatnot, um, and I really feel it, and I, I really dig it.
All right, let's wrap up the conversation about Dodgeball Academia. In case it's not obvious, I love this game. It started out with a slow burn with the tutorial and kind of slowly learning about the game. But the more I see in this game and the more things that unlock and uh, I'm just so impressed. I'm so impressed with this game. And the pacing, I think it's really an immersion game. Like you do feel like you're in school for dodgeball as things are getting revealed to you. I really appreciate the free roam. Uh, the different quests. Again, I suggest doing the side quests. Um, what's interesting about this game is it's only like 10 to 15 hours, and I really love that. I really appreciate that, especially for my age and the time that I have these days. But man, if there were 20 more hours of content in this game, I would absolutely crush it. I would put 40 hours in this game, but I'm glad that it exists the way it does. Definitely love the character and the vibes. Again, anything Japanese, I'm a sucker for. I'm going to platinum this game soon. Probably not by the time this posts, but maybe in the week after. And I think it's very doable. Love the value of this game. I paid 15 bucks for this. 25 bucks. there is value here. Absolutely, I would get it. And if you're really into everything we've talked about, I would suggest even buying that physical copy with, with the art book because uh, I think that's super dope. I may actually even go and, and buy that myself because I am somewhat of a collector. Play this game. I'm telling you, it's dope. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.